So as I get started this morning, I wanted to just give a quick recap. You know, we're fresh off of the new year, and in that vision meeting, Pastor David talked to us about pressing on, and that sort of being like the theme of this time that we're in is pressing on, and then we went on the fast, and he gave us three things that we were to focus on as we were seeking the Lord and praying and fasting, and that was uh, for souls to be saved, give us a, a compassion for souls, a hunger for the things of God, and holiness, a desire for holiness to be set apart for God's good work, to be a special instrument that's pure, that's undefiled in His hands that He can use whenever and however He likes. And then He actually went through a series with those three subjects on us in these past three weeks. So I was really just being excited about when I was seeking the Lord about what to share I was being excited about how we've come so far this year. Here we are approaching mid-February. And I really felt like of those three subjects that there was some kind of building upon that foundation that he's given us for this year that needed to happen. And I, I had been leaning toward that compassion for souls, but I wasn't sure. And then it was confirmed here Monday night at prayer with Mr. Wayne and Miss uh, Gina and uh, Mr. Miss Beryl and uh, Miss Donna was here and Dennis Wilbanks, I think that's everybody. But we were here and we were in a circle right here closing out, and we prayed for souls. And Miss Gina had something to say, and as soon as she said it, it registered with me. And then it was like, that's exactly what I'm going to be preaching on. That needs to happen. I wasn't sure, but it was like, that's it. Didn't I say that, Mr. Wayne? I said, that's probably what I'm going to preach on right there. And, and it was about going out and catching a fish. So I'm going to start by reading out of Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is Jesus, now go out where, is, where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we, heard, we worked hard all night last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please Leave me, I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Oh, my goodness. And how about that introduction, right? They get to meet Jesus for the first time, and that's how they get to meet him. That's, that's a pretty powerful first impression. Like, hey, my name is Jesus. I'm sinking your boats and blowing your fishermen minds right now. Y'all thought y'all knew how to fish, and y'all have no clue of who I am and, and what I'm capable of and what I know. What I thought is interesting, in Matthew 4.19, this isn't on your screen, but 
Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once and followed him. But Matthew doesn't touch this story at all about the catch. It just says, Jesus approached them, said, come follow me. And they left their nets at once and followed Jesus. And if that's all you get, you just think like, wow, Jesus must have made quite an impression on them. For him to just walk up and say, you know, Ray's at his work with the generators at AT AT&T. And it's like, hey, Ray, drop the generator and come follow me. And you're like, okay. And you just drop it and you just follow me and you never go back. I mean, if you just read Matthew, you're kind of scratching your head like, wow, Jesus must have... Was he, did he have a halo around his head? How did that person, how did they do that? that that's a pretty powerful uh, pull that Jesus had on people. And he did have an amazing pull. We know that. But Luke gives us the whole story. But both Luke and Matthew give their own unique perspective on what Jesus said to the disciples. Matthew says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Luke says, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. One is saying, it's like an order. Follow me. Two, I will make you. I'm going to do that work. You follow me, I am going to make you. And then in Luke, he says, don't be afraid. You will be fishing for people. It's like he was prophesying to the disciples what they were about to become. And that's the title of the message today is Catch a Fish. Catch a Fish. (laughs) What y'all think about that one? I love it. I love it. That's a big fish. That's called noodling. If those of you don't know, you see his little glove on his hand. They go in that water and they stick their hands in logs and things and they wiggle their fingers around like worm and the fish bites their hand and they pull it up out of the water. (laughs) They use their own hand as the hook. Isn't that amazing? The bait and the hook. Incredible. The disciples weren't fishing like that, you know, just just so y'all know. They had nets. But, um... And, and, and I want to give a special shout out to uh, someone who's been, become a very good friend of mine is Mr. Brandon Spadaro over here. He has this way he talks that you don't hear a whole lot, but as a new believer, you know, he was full of appreciation for his salvation and he just understood this, that you don't just get saved and then just not do anything with that. You got to go catch fish. So he would just say it like, I'm just trying to catch a fish. I can't wait to catch a fish. Uh, I'm going to catch a fish. And then Cody comes along. He's like, Cody, you ready to catch a fish? You know, and it's like, I like that. Let's catch a fish. That's what we're called to do. Let's all leave here and go catch a fish. So what I want to encourage us with this morning is that we would actually just have that simple mindset that I need to go catch a fish. Like, a fisherman who hasn't caught a fish in a while, we were talking about that at prayer. He's going crazy. He's saying, what do I need to do? He's reading all the magazines and going online, talking to all his fishing buddies. He's hit every hole he knows, and he can't catch a fish, and it's driving him bananas, right? He wants to catch a fish. So I hope that 
we leave here with a new sense of purpose and urgency. And what I believe is that as we start to cast that line, as we start to drop that net, as we start to drop that hand down in the water, we're going to catch some fish. And Jesus, who's making us those fishermen and telling us you will be fishing for people, Jesus isn't going to send you out to fish and leave you in empty-handed. Jesus isn't going to go say, go cast over in that spot, and there's nothing every time you go. But if we'll do that with what he says to do, I believe Jesus is going to fill this boat to overflowing. We might be calling another church saying, we got too many new converts, we can't disciple them all. We need help. Who knows? We don't know. But we need to go fishing. Amen? So the first point that I want to talk to you guys about is how this heart of Jesus, you know, how that was such a beautiful story about that lady. And I have a feeling we're going to hear more about that. I just, the way it moved you and to hear you share about that and the intimacy that we can have with the person who is the word of God and the impact that he can have on our life through his word. I mean, that was that that it's it's hard to put into words, but there's some incredible riches there that we need to experience. And the heart of God, like he loves family, he loves children and how that changed our life. God, we need to see God's heart for people. We need to see how God sees people as his sheep. We need to see how God sees people as a fisherman sees fish. Jesus really, really wants us to be fishers of people. Now, this is interesting. All the, all the gospels, they're unique. Because it's unique writers, unique perspectives, unique memories and references and sources that they kind of compiled the story to get it the best they can get it in the amount of pages that they could put it on, you know. Well, John doesn't reference this story either. But you know what story he does reference? And I thought this was so fascinating. So the way Luke laid out the story, that was their introduction to Jesus. And Jesus, the first words he says is, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The whole emphasis was on making them pursue people. Making them agents of God's salvation and go catch fish. Well, guess what Jesus leaves them with? The third time Jesus met with the disciples after he rose from the dead. So we're at the very end of the story. Christ had already died, already rose from the dead, had already appeared to people, and had revealed himself to people. And this was the third time that he had revealed himself to them. And John records this story, John 21, 5 through 6. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your nets on the, right hand, on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. 
And the Bible goes so far as to say there was 153 large fish. That was the end of the story. That's the last chapter in the book of John. You know what follows that? When Peter is restored after his uh, denial of Christ, Jesus has that conversation with him. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. That conversation. And then immediately after that, they talk about the confusion about whether or not John might never die and live forever because Christ talked about maybe the way Peter would die and maybe some others wouldn't, you know. But that was it. John's over after that. This was the last time that Jesus showed them who he was. This was the lasting impression. Obviously, we know he ascended to heaven, so there was a little bit after this. But this is the very end. So first impressions is nets tearing. These fishermen can't pull in the hull. They were fishermen. The last impression, same thing. Just to show them the emphasis on their new purpose to be fishers of men. To remind them. I mean, you got to know that they were blown away that he did the same thing he did before. And we remembered Three, three, three years ago, whatever it was, when we started following Jesus, how this thing started, and he's reminding us how it needs to continue. Amen? And then when Jesus comes along, everything changes. We have to see this. Everything changes when Jesus comes. That's my next point right there. Jesus calls us to follow him, to go from following ourselves and whatever we think is right to following him. That's a, a monumental difference of proportions that you can't compare anything else to. To go from your way and your little understanding and your puny little priorities and what you think is important in life and the worldview that you have and your own thing, you, to convert from that to God's view, to God's priority, to God's agenda, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who created the universe and then came into it and died and then rose from the dead. To go from that path, your path, whatever path you came up with, to go to his path is completely different. It's not even remotely close. So when Jesus called the disciples and called you and me to follow him, it was going to be much different. We were getting a whole new set of rules, a whole new worldview, a whole new work to do. Now, we're called to take on his work. Like, I know what I was working on, but what were you working on? Oh, my goodness. This is way, way bigger than anything I could have imagined. This is eternal. The ramifications of this work will reverberate throughout eternity forever. It's unbelievable. So they, 
made the decision when he told them, follow me, to abandon their path, abandon their, their agenda, abandon what their priorities used to be, and then take notes, take down, ingest from him what it ought to be now. Transform me, Lord, from my whole life I was this way, and now I need to go your way. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's not you get your salvation in a moment, but that lifestyle shift happens over time. But if you'll just follow Jesus and commit to following him, he's going to radically transform who you are as a person like he did that lady. She didn't want any kids, and now she's got nine. And then she's got a daughter who has ten. That's a radical transformation to go from zero to nine. That's the kind of radical transformation that God can do and will absolutely do. What did he say? I will make you fishers of men. You're not fishers of men right now. You're fishers of fish, which is so insignificant. But imagine if you were fishing for souls that last for eternity. That's what I'm going to make you. That's a big shift. That's a radical transformation, a whole new set of gear to catch people instead of fish. You don't do this when you're trying to catch people. You don't wear a glove. You're not trying to tie the right knot so it doesn't come loose when you hook the big one. Totally different. We're talking about eternity here. And then what did they do? They had to do this to, in order to drop what they were doing to follow him. They had to trust their fate now into his hands. Like, especially when it goes against all logic and reason. In our little minds. Like, when we're asked to tie 10% of what we make, and we're already given the government, when you total it all up, they probably get like a quarter of what you got. And then, you know, and that's just in America. Who knows about it all over the world? You know, and then... You got to pay all your bills and you got to save, right? You got to prepare. You got to be wise. You got to save a little bit. You got to prepare for the future future and retirement. So you're trying to shuffle all this money around. But then I got to give 10% away. But we're not giving it away. We're giving it to him. That can defy logic. But we're trusting our fate into his hands. We're trusting that all of those other places that the money has to go, they're going to get taken care of. And then guess what? I might have some left over to go play with and be blessed. Amen? Amen. So not only do they get this radically new agenda, but they get this new purpose. They get this purpose now, instead of just being self-serving and just trying to survive, now they're serving a kingdom. They're serving a king. Instead of themselves being their king, and what does Lee need to have the best life imaginable right here, right now, now I have to take my eyes off of this because God's going to take care of this, and now I get my eyes, think of the expanse. Think of the, the perspective shift that, that is from here and this little body that needs to be taken care of to the kingdom of God. 
let me take care of your little body and your little life that only lasts for a little bit of time right here on earth. Let me, God's saying, let me take care of that and let me invite you into the expanse of the kingdom of God to come serve this instead of that. And they left their living for God's living. They left the temporary for the eternal. I don't know about you, but that's a trade I would want to make all day, every day. Trade the temporary for the eternal. That's a good trade. But we fished all night. Jesus, you don't understand. You can go to the next slide. We fished all night. That was Peter. Early in the morning, Jesus is out there teaching. His hands are soft. He doesn't smell like fish. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We've been fishing all night. You going to come try to tell us how to fish? Who is this guy? It's easy to become discouraged and weary when you're fishing for people. It's hard. It's hard work. Jesus called it work. He said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. The fish are great, but the fishermen are few. Jesus was out there calling fishermen. He's out there calling laborers. Who, who wants to work? Only somebody who can see the value of that work. You're not going to sacrifice your comfort and convenience to go work for fun. We don't do that. You got to be recruited. You got to be shown the value in this work that we're going to do. And then you got to believe that it's valuable once it's told to you that it's valuable. Then you got to be willing to leave the comfort and the convenience to go work and believe that it's going to produce eternal results. But we fish all night. And then we can get discouraged when we compare ourselves to other people. You know, you may have been, you may have went and told 10 people about Christ and not one of them wanted anything to do with what you had to say. And then friend down the corner, he tells one person about Jesus and gets to lead him to Christ right there. Gets to pray with him to receive Christ and make a disciple right then and there. And you're like... I've been fishing all night. What? I mean, look. And then, what? Our boat's empty. And we can become discouraged. So you can become discouraged just from you being tired, you being rejected, you not seeing results. You, and then you can start to feel like a nuisance. Like, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to throw that on somebody. You know what I'm saying? They, they're looking forward to the weekend. They're probably going to go do something fun. I don't want to bother them with their eternity. I don't, I don't want to rain on their parade. They're about to go catch bees at Mardi Gras. I don't want to tell them about Jesus and then like change their whole perspective on that. They're about to go feast and drink and have a merry old time. And then here I come. It's like Noah. It's the rain's coming. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be rejected. How many of y'all like being rejected? How many of y'all like not being liked? I don't like that. 
I want everybody to like me. I hope all of y'all in here like me. And if you don't like me, that's okay, but I hope you will one day. <laughs> but we want to be liked. We don't want to be rejected. But what did Jesus say? When they reject you because you're bringing them me, they're really rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So that helps. Thank you, Jesus. That does help me a little bit. They're not really rejecting me. They might even still like me. They just don't want you. Thanks. But we don't want to be rejected. So it can be easy to get discouraged. Just know that if you've been fishing all night or you're thinking about going fishing for people, it's okay. It's normal to have this natural resistance to do that. And we can be apprehensive and unsure of ourselves. For some of us, we maybe have given up fishing for people because it just seems hopeless because of the state of the world and the state of the culture that we live in and all of that. But Pastor David says this beautifully, is it's no worse today than it has been all of mankind. I promise you. If anything, it's probably the best that it's ever been because the gospel's been here for 2,000 years, plowing up the soil and God's love being poured in the earth. I, I kind of believe that it might be easier than it was when, you know, they would throw babies into the river and, you know, slave trade. And, and I mean, there was the concentration camps. And, I mean, there's so many atrocities and evil that's been on this earth. Listen. We shouldn't be complaining about, well, St. Timothy's so hard, you know, people got everything they want. They're just chasing money, and it's the richest parish in the state, so, you know, that's the reason why, you know, they don't really want Jesus. Jesus said that it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to inherit eternal life, and, you know, just making all these excuses and getting discouraged because it's just too hard. It's hopeless. Nobody wants Jesus. Why bother? Well, that would go against what Jesus said when he said, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. It kind of sounds like the disciples saying, but we fished all night. And Jesus was saying, I know, I know. I know you've been fishing all night. I get it. You had to throw the nets in the water a bunch of times, and no fish came into the net. I get it. Throw the net back in the water. I'm going to get back to that because that's my favorite point. So what did Jesus say? Now go to where it is deeper and let down your nets. Luke 5, 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, I love that. We've been fishing all night. Jesus says, let me see if that's right after what he said. I think it is. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Okay, so he said that after Jesus said, um, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Sometimes you got to go deeper. And I hope that you catch on to what I'm saying here. Sometimes you got to dig a little deep. Your little surface, shallow faith that you're walking in isn't deep enough. There's no fish. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Some of us, we're doing it in our own strength. We're doing what we know to do. 
This is the best I got. I fished. I worked all night. But did you do, did you connect with Jesus? Did you partner with Jesus when you were working all night? Some of us will realize that we're in the shallows. That Man, you know what? I'm not deep enough. I'm not deep enough in God's word. That word has not become personal to me. It's not intimate in my life. God, prayer is not there. I, I'm just, you realize you're in the shallow spiritual water and God's inviting you. Jesus is telling you, go deeper. Gideon had to go deeper. He had to dig deep. When God sent him out to fight the Midianites, got him 32,000 men, and then took away 31,700 of them and left them with 300 to go fight the Midianites. Are you kidding me? Do you want me to go fight the Midianites or not? Are there going to be any men left? Do you want me to just go by myself? But he had to dig deep to go forward. He had to dig deep in his faith to go forward. And as I close this morning, I want to share with y'all a, a brief story real quick of Rachel. Years ago, she used to work at this little grocery store. What was the name of it? Oak Point, Oak Point Grocery Store in Greenwell Springs, right? And she was a teenager. I think 16 or so. 15, 16, something like that. 17, who knows. And as she's working, an older gentleman, very kind, approaches her or they cross paths and he says, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? You can correct me at any point. <laughs> but he just asked her point blank, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And she will never forget that for the rest of her life, that 10-second encounter with this man that she immediately, maybe not immediately, but definitely understands that he was sent by God to her. And she never received Christ at that moment. And they never saw each other again. But that was a moment. That was a seed. And that man, whoever he is, we'll know him in heaven, helped lead her to Christ. God used him. Think about how profound that is. When's the last time somebody asked you, friend, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? What a question to ask somebody. That is so direct. But it can be done in love. It's not like, hey, when's the last time you went to church? You should come to church with me. It shows, honestly, to me, in my way of viewing that, it shows that they really care. Like, wow, you would think about me. You would open your mouth to me. You don't know me. You know that's a kind of risky question to ask me, so you're, you're risking a pretty sharp rebuke because you don't know me. You don't know what kind of mood I'm in. You don't know what I'm capable of. <laughs> I karate chop you. All right? But 
I love the purity of that. I love the beauty of that. And it reminds me, honestly, what was Jesus saying? What were the disciples saying? What were they all saying as they were fishing for people? Were they beating around the bush? And this is my perspective, okay? Just like my perspective on him asking her that was like he really cared. Not that we don't really care, but it comes across to me, and I do this all the time, so like I'm being convicted about it, and I want to change what I am and what I do. And I think it's the Word of God doing that changing. But I feel like it comes across really weak and fearful when we don't want to impose. We just want to butter you up, show you how much we love you, invite you to small group. Don't want to invite you to church yet. Okay, now I invite you to church, invite you to some special thing we got, ask you if you need help with anything because I'm so blessed. And maybe they'll connect the dots and realize I'm a Christian and accept Christ because I said blessed. <laughs> and you, you like tiptoeing all that you can, like all around. I'm like, the Israelites walking around the walls of Jericho. If I just do this enough, the walls will just come down. They'll just crumble at the cross by the time I'm through with them. They're going to be like, wow, that person never told me about Jesus one time. They, they love me so much. They just love me. And I feel so loved. They didn't want to push their religion on me. I don't know. It's almost like a salesman coming up to your door. Hey, how you doing? It's like, get to the point. You don't care about me? What are you selling? Just tell me. Your, your approach is irritating me. Just tell me what you got. Well, I think what Jesus said and what John the Baptist said and all the disciples would say was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh. And then it's right to the point. It gets right in their heart. It puts them face to face with reality. It puts them face to face with eternity. It puts them face to face with Jesus. And they got to make a decision. Now, Rachel, it was a moment. It was a seed planted. But boy, that was direct. And where do I stand with that? Luke 5, 5. Peter responded, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. If you feel weary as the, as the disciples did from fishing all night, Jesus is saying, let down your nets. God says, throw those nets out one more time. He wants us to have a sense of urgency. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Just point blank, we're sinners. We deserve condemnation in hell. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to take that condemnation. And if we'll believe in Christ, we can be free from the condemnation and have eternal life. How long did that take me to say? How complicated was that? Why don't we say it? There's no greater fulfillment in your life as a fisherman, especially a fisherman of people, than to fish for people and actually catch fish. There will not ever be a greater satisfaction in your life. 
They need Jesus whether you think they do, they think they do, or not. They need Jesus. They got to have him. It's not optional for them. So we need to make a conscious decision to build God's kingdom, which is soul saved through Jesus Christ. And that can only happen if they hear the gospel and are given an opportunity to accept Christ. That can only happen when they come face to face with Jesus. And it can happen anywhere, anytime. We can just ask somebody, are you born again? What does that mean? I mean, come on, born again? Some people have no idea what that means. They may have heard the term, but they don't know what it means. And then you have a chance to explain it to them. Like Antoine said, even if they don't accept right then and there, you're being used as an instrument, like this man was at the grocery store, to help move that person along to the cross. You're helping lead them to the cross. You might water. Somebody else might plant. When Jesus, this is, this is what the last thing I'm saying is my favorite point. When Jesus told the disciples, let down your nets, all they saw was the long night of work and no fish. Jesus saw all those fish. He didn't need coasters with glare cutting through the water to see the fish. He pulled them up right underneath the boat. Let down your nets. How many fish are under your boat and you don't even know it? And you're not letting down the net because I can't. I've never done that before. Or I've been rejected too many times. Or you don't understand this culture that I live in. It's encouraging to think about the potential results, the potential nets bursting and boats sinking. But the most important thing, and I've got to share on this, the most important thing is obedience. Is obedience. It doesn't matter if one person, if you catch one fish your whole life, that is one eternal soul you have no idea how many other souls that person's life is connected to. We just obey. Jesus says, let down the nets. Let down the nets. What if they'd have pulled up nothing? Well, at least you did what he said. Your faith just grew because you did something by faith. Amen? Y'all can bow your heads with me. If you don't mind playing something for me, Eli, set the mood. Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord God. I thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, Ray. You can come on up. I, I, you, please, I'd ra much rather you. I just don't even think good sometimes. <laughs> Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord God. We're thankful to be in your house this morning. We're thankful to be in your kingdom, Lord God. We're thankful that as you're walking along the streets of Jerusalem, as you're walking around the streets of St. Tammany, God, you're walking the hallways at our schools, you're walking the hallways at our job sites, Father, and that we are following you, Lord God. And we're, we get a chance to uh, watch what you do and hear what you say and see what's important to you, Lord God, and see how to do it. 
Father, as we read your word, Father, I pray that your word would begin to become personal to us. That there would be an intimate journey. When we open that Bible, Lord, that we're not just checking off another reading plan, but we're inviting you to come into our hearts. That we're hiding your word in our heart, Father, so that we may not sin against you, Lord, and so that we may bring honor and glory to you, God, in this earth. Lord, you are calling. You are calling fishers of men. You are calling laborers into the harvest fields. And the laborers may be few, but that harvest is so great. The amount of fish under that boat is so vast. Our nets could not contain them. Father, I pray that you would give every person in here a new perspective, a new resolve, Lord God. Sink or swim, catch or not, be rejected or not, we're going to go catch a fish. You want us to catch a fish, Lord? We're going to go find a fish and we're going to catch it. And you're going to make us that fisher of men. You're going to send us, you're sending us out, Lord, and you're going to teach us how to fish. I pray over each one of you right now that as God is stirring your heart and turning your heart to the harvest, to the sea of fish that, are, that He's calling us to go after, I pray that He would show you people that maybe we've been beating around the bush and now we'll be a little more direct in love. But we can't go on another day can't go on another day if they reject Christ let them reject Christ that's on them the disciples would shake the dust off of their feet and move on to the next one but out of love risking it all we'll go after that one we'll start becoming like Jesus Jesus 